See what love the Father has bestowed on us that we are called children of God. What a wonderful phrase. What a wonderful promise that God has made to us. And it's something that is revealed to us slowly over the course of the Gospels as Jesus begins to transform the relationship between the human race and God from what it was to what it now is. And we see it when he's talking to his disciples, for instance, he will say, I no longer call you servants. In some translations, I no longer call you slaves, but friends. And so we see this movement of the human race from, from this slavery to sin, this servitude, first to uh, uh, discipleship as we begin to follow Christ. Then we move on from discipleship to friendship, which is a love relationship. And then it becomes even stronger when Christ on the cross fulfills all things. And as he says, you know, I will draw all things to myself. Christ, who has taught us to call God Father, now teaches us something that is very novel in the Christian sense, that that the all-powerful, almighty God has eliminated the distance between his creation and himself so that we can have a loving relationship with a father. And that's amazing. But it does come with some responsibilities as well, because when we stop and think about it, the The first three commandments definitely deal with our relationship with God, right? Love the Lord your God, keep the Sabbath day holy, do not take the Lord's name in vain. But now because he has declared himself to be our father, well, have you ever stopped to think that the fourth commandment now takes on a new meaning as well? Because now if we have to honor our father and our mother, it's not just our human father and mother, but God our Father as well. And so we're called to live this sonship, this daughtership, this relationship of love with God in a way that is public, in a way that witnesses to the fact that we really believe that we are children of God. You know, it's interesting for most people, and I've had this happen to me several times since I got here, it's happened to me in other places as well, people very proudly come up to me and say, Father, these are my parents, they're visiting from out of town, and I wanted you to meet them. I mean, we, we do that, right? When our parents come to visit, these are my parents, please meet my parents. When you're dating someone, what's the most terrifying thing you have to do? Meet the parents. So we have an obligation to invite the people in our lives to meet our Father. We have an obligation to do that. And, and I was thinking that there are kind of three different ways that we can do that. And the first way is we can be obnoxious. You know, we can be in people's faces. And this takes a lot of forms. It's, it's certainly the holier-than-thou types who look down their nose at people because I'm a better Catholic than you are, I'm a better Christian than you are. Those people all look down their nose at me all the time because I'm not a very good Catholic. I'm a practicing Catholic. I haven't gotten it right yet. And so there's that, or there's the people who are screaming, you know, in the streets, and they're holding up the signs, telling us everybody who God hates, but not telling us anything about God's love, and they turn people off. So please, don't be obnoxious. Now, the second thing that we can do is we can be obsequious. (laughs) That's a nice 25-cent word, isn't it? And you notice there's a little theme going on here, too, with my words. 
Obsequious means to be overly de deferential to other people's desires. It's being a toady. It's being a sycophant. It's not saying anything or doing anything that will offend the people who you think would be offended by you admitting that you're a Christian. And so it's hiding our faith. You know, it's, it's quietly ignoring anything that anyone may say that goes against our Catholic faith. It's participating in activities that we don't think we probably should because it's not a very Christian thing, but we don't want people to think funny of us. We certainly don't want anyone calling us Jesus freaks. And so we are obsequious. And that doesn't do any good either. You know, the first type drives people away, the obnoxious type. The obsequious type doesn't draw anyone toward God and puts his or her own soul in jeopardy because Jesus himself said, if you deny me before men, I will deny you before the Father. That's kind of scary. And so the third thing that we can do, the third way that we can try and practice our faith is to do so overtly. Not in people's faces, not proselytizing, but not being afraid of our Christian faith either. You know, when that gossip starts in the office, to kind and politely excuse ourselves and say, I'm sorry, you know, as a Christian, I don't think we should be talking about other people like that. You know, having the courage to, this is going to sound crazy, people, say grace before you eat in a restaurant, dun, 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 <laughs> that people may look at you and go, that person just made the sign of the cross. How odd is that? But these are the things that if we live our faith openly, without being either in people's faces or shrinking away, if we live it openly and we live it joyfully and we let people see that there's something to this Christian thing, there's something to this adoption as sons and daughters of God, there's something joyful and attractive about it, then we do our jobs. We honor our Father. And we help people begin to realize that there's nothing wrong with being Christian. It's a good thing. And, you know, sometimes it will cost us. I mean, John says himself, the reason they do not know us is that they did not know him. And so as we're trying to introduce him to them, they may no longer recognize us. That's a chance we have to take. And it can be painful. I've, I've experienced it myself. I remember back when I was just entering the seminary. And, uh, you know, to just show you how long ago that was, I got an instant message <laughs> on my America Online account. <laughs> I'm dating myself. I'm not allowed to date anyone else. <laughs> From an old friend of mine, Dan, who like, he finds me somehow and he's like, is this the Keith Cummings who went to VCU in the 1980s and 90s? And I'm like, yes. And of course his name, his last name was Walkowski. So I knew immediately who he was. And so we started to chat, you know, instant messaging back and forth for a couple of weeks. And I, I'm, one of the things my mom and dad always taught me is if, people, if you want people to think you're a good conversationalist, just keep asking them questions about themselves. You know, keep yourself out of it and just keep... And that's what I did. And I found out all sorts. His life was going great. He was married. He had a daughter. He was happy. He had a great career. And I was having a great time. And <laughs> I was being a little obsequious because I wasn't volunteering anything about what I was doing until he finally asked me point blank, what are you doing? And I was like, well, I'm back in school. <laughs> that's all I said. 
And he said, really, what are you studying? And I said, I'm studying to become a Catholic priest. I'm in the seminary up in Boston. And the next message I got from him, I will never forget, because it's the last words I ever heard from him and probably ever will. I thought you were cool. And that was it. Well, I am cool. <laughs> and if he doesn't see that, that's his problem. But I keep hoping. I keep hoping that someday he'll realize that me being Catholic and me being a priest is not a bad thing. It's a good thing. And that maybe at some moment he'll think, well, if I actually thought Keith was cool at one point and now he's a priest, maybe there's something to that. Maybe that's something I should look into. And if you do that with the people around you, maybe they'll have that reaction as well. So if you live your life like that, you'll be a better person. And with God's grace, the people around you will become better people. And when we all do that, then it will be a better world. It's worth it. We do not know, John tells us, what we will be. It has not yet been revealed. But we do know that when it is revealed, we will be like him, for we will see him as he is.